This is a photo taken by the Curiosity rover on Mars. This is exploration in progress, and this particular machine has millions of dollars of sensory equipment on it. Because when we go somewhere new, we want to know what kinds of things are there. What kinds of rocks and compounds and stuff are we dealing with? And it's following a common pattern. When we go somewhere new, we want to know what kind of stuff is there. Charles Darwin's categorization of the finches led to a revolution in the way we think about life. And if this is the way we approach exploring the Galapagos, what about when we explore the other side of the veil? Swedenborg was, in a lot of ways, a human curiosity rover. And as luck would have it, just as meticulous in documenting what he found. So tonight, we're going to take a look into his catalog of spirits and see just what kind of intelligent, angelic life is out there. Stay tuned. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg and Life. Today, we're going to take a look at the different kinds of angels. And yeah, it's probably not going to be exactly what you're expecting. First, my name is Curtis Childs. I'm the host. As always, you can get your questions, your comments, that kind of stuff, and be part of the live discussion. Now, you may have questions around why we chose to go about it this way, but it's not going to be as simple as, oh, there's, there's guardian angels and there's metal angels, and because there is this whole dynamic with organization and placement in the spiritual world and how that's affected by what's going on in your heart and mind. And so to really know what kind of angels there are out there in the Swedenborgian worldview, you've got to know how the whole afterlife, particularly heaven, is structured. So we'll begin today with section one, spiritual homeostasis. <laughs> Okay, so, I just put that in the corner. Like, I grabbed it out of there. I don't know if you guys saw that. This is this is a ball. It's really here. It's a real thing. Uh, and this just happens to be an illustration of the way that the spiritual world, the, the afterlife, as it's called, is organized. All right? And this is, a, there's a number in which Swedenborg actually just says a globe. But I don't, he doesn't mean, I believe, actually a sphere, because there's other times he talks about it in different ways. But as far as an organizing principle goes, this is a picture of it. And let's explain a little bit what those bands of color are. We'll take a look, cracking open our first Swedenborg book of the day. Oh, it's heaven and hell. Download that, click that thing if you want to read it. There's a lot of clear stuff in there. Just here's what the afterlife is. Here's what I saw. So he says, like heaven, hell is differentiated into communities. In fact, there are just as many communities in hell as there are in heaven, since each heavenly community has an opposite number in hell for the sake of balance. However, the communities in hell are differentiated according to their evils and consequent falsities, because the communities in heaven are differentiated according to their goodwill and consequent truths. We may be sure that there is some evil opposite to everything good and some falsity opposite to everything true, from the fact that nothing exists without a relationship to its opposite. The opposite enables us to know its actual nature and level. Opposition is the source of all perception and sensation. This is why the Lord is constantly taking care that every community of heaven has its opposite in some community of hell. 
and that there is a balance between them. So that's funny. Like We just drop you in so hard. If this is the first time you're watching the show, okay, let's talk about the communities in heaven, the communities of hell. Welcome to Swedenborg and life. So as he says, there are different levels of heaven and hell. We'll illustrate that here. These are the three different heavenly levels. These are the three different hellish levels. And the levels are not like you'd find in the physical world. Oh, there's, there's a one level that's 50 feet high, then there's 100 feet high. These correspond or are formed by the levels of the human mind, and that there are three levels, and if you have them opened up, you move higher up, and the more you close them off, the farther down you move. That's very brief. But also, he says, there's a balance. If I could draw a few pink arrows on there, there's a balance. So you see the top heaven directly relates to the lowest hell. So this is the people who love the human race the most. The people who would give you anything are directly opposed to those who want nothing more than just to destroy people for fun. And then the less severe go with the less severe on each of these. These are the, you know, there's less of a difference between these, but because of their nature, they oppose each other. And that this balance is essential. This, because the, if, since we're just dropping you right in, this is what this is the backdrop of human consciousness. We're all part of this huge system, and there needs to be a balance maintained between heaven and hell, good and bad, so that there's freedom in the human mind. And there's, this is also a balance of truth and falsity, as we'll look in there. So the good and the true, what's loving and what's actually the truth about reality versus what is evil and just looking at the world how you want it so that you can get away with stuff. So there's the balance, there's the opposition, and it's important that these stay, because, and so there's some, there's some techniques that none other than God uses to keep it this way, and Swedenborg describes this in Heaven and Hell 594. To the extent that one begins to get too strong, meaning one part overpowers the other one, it is brought under control by various means and returned to its proper balanced relationship. I shall mention only a few of many means. Some involve a stronger presence of the Lord. Some involve closer communication and union of one or more communities with others. Some involve the exile of extra hellish spirits into desert places. Some the transfer from one hell to another. Some the reorganization of the people in the hells, which is also accomplished in various ways. So, so what he's saying is, if there's anyone, he uses hell in a plural term and heaven in a plural term to even describe the communities within. There's this, this particular um, association of people who are living some kind of evil. That gets too strong. There's too, it has to be broken up a bit or else it would disrupt the balance. Um, some involve concealing some of the hells under thicker and heavier coverings, some sending them down deeper. Then there are other means, some involving the heavens overhead. I mention this so that there may be some grasp of the fact that only the Lord provides that there shall be a balance between good and evil everywhere, and therefore between heaven and hell. On this kind of equilibrium depends the salvation of everyone in the heavens and everyone on earth. So that means you and me. And I don't think you would get to the afterlife, as Swedenborg describes, and see, oh yeah, there's a covering going on that, that this is sort of, this is on the level of things like gravity, things we're just finding out about this universe that aren't immediately apparent. This is like he knew the underlying everything, or that he was told, you know, not the everything of everything, but the the relatively deep stuff. So this is an, an organizing principle, and you see this in reflected, you know, this idea of yin and yang and karma, that kind of stuff is, is you know, in the same neighborhood as that. So that's what's going on there. Plus, we, this episode, you can get extra credit if you want it. 
And that is, the assignment is relatively simple. As we go through here, looking at the way that heaven is organized, and from that, the different kinds of angels that there are, Swedenborg says, and also said by other people, including Jesus Christ, heaven is within you. And Swedenborg says, we are a microcosm. We can be either a miniature heaven or hell. So everything that we're learning about how heaven is structured, the different kinds of angels, can apply. Our minds can be structured in that same way. Okay, so you get extra credit if while we're going through this, you're thinking about how does this apply to a single individual, all right? So we've got that. We've got why there's, there's these differentiations in the heavens. Now let's take a look at some of the more... Uh, some of the more specific divisions and what kinds of angels that creates. Let's move on, part two. Okay, so we're moving into chart territory. Before we get there, let's have a definition of terms. Uh, this is Divine Love and Wisdom, another of Swedenborg's books, number 140. First, I need to define angel and spirit. And if you if you start reading Swedenborg, you'll find that you may be confused for many, many reasons. One of them being he uses words uh, that we have in our common language, but he has sort of specific Swedenborgian definitions for them. Here he's going at it. First, I need to define angel and spirit. Immediately after death, we come into a world of spirits that is halfway between heaven and hell. Oh, and if you're saying, I wish I could know more about that world of spirits, FYI, that's going to be the topic of next week's episode. Uh, and so that's that's something worth waiting for. But for now, stay focused. World of spirits that is halfway between heaven and hell. There we work through our stretches of time or our states and are prepared either for heaven or for hell, depending on the way we have lived. As long as we are stay in this world, we are called spirits. And I want to point out, in case you, this is your first time watching, it's not prepared for hell, um, like, how many sins did you commit? Oh, 17? You're going down. This is us finding out what we love. Go watch the other episodes if that's confusing to you. It's quite different than the traditional concept of heaven and hell. Okay, so as long as we stay in this world, we are called spirits. Anyone who has been brought up from this world into heaven is called an angel, and anyone who has been cast into hell is called a Satan or a devil. As long as we are in the world of spirits, people who are being readied for heaven are called angelic spirits, and people who are being readied for hell are called hellish spirits. All the while, angelic spirits are united to heaven and hellish spirits to hell. So, there you have an answer. I think somebody's already asked this in the chat room, but we, are angels ex-people or are they a separately created race? According to Swedenborg, and that's the worldview we're going after here, they all used to be people. All angels used to be people. And we can take this trajectory too, if we're so moved. Okay, so we've got that. Now, let's take a look at these levels. Secrets of Heaven 459. There are three heavens. The first is where good spirits are, the second where angelic spirits are, and the third where angels are. And he changes that. At times he'll call it, uh, he'll say that the first heaven is uh, natural angels, spiritual angels, heavenly angels. So he uses a few different terms to describe this. So you're going to get tripped up, and that's fine. That's okay. That's just part of life. All three groups, spirits, angelic spirits, and angels, divide into celestial and spiritual. Oh, and to further confuse you, in case you haven't clicked away yet, celestial, you'll see that word, 
there that in in certain Swedenborg translations you'll see celestial, in other ones you'll see heavenly. And in this very show, you'll sometimes see celestial, sometimes see heavenly. They come from the Latin, they both come from the same Latin word. It's just been translated different ways. Okay, there you're welcome. The celestial are those who have, by means of love, received faith from the Lord, as did members of the most ancient church, dealt with already. The spiritual are those who have, by means of cognitions of faith, received charity from the Lord, and who act from the charity they have received. Much more on that later. I just want to say, if you're wondering about that most ancient church he just mentioned, and what these highest sort of angels are like, check out this episode, The Spiritual History of the Human Race. We covered that. There's there's what that most ancient church is, and what the people in it were like, and consequently, what it means to be a celestial or heavenly angel as opposed to a spiritual angel. So, we've got these different categorizations of heaven, and he, he lists it in a few different ways, so we're going to look at a... This will fix any problem. we got a series of diagrams here. First, this is the basic division. Look on the left on your, uh, yeah, left on your screen, the heavenly heaven, or the celestial heaven. Then on the right is the spiritual heaven, and they're distinct. We're going to talk about why, but there is communication. That's where there's some holes in between. You look down, there's sort of this da- more dashed, thinner line, because at the bottom, like the, the least open part of both of those is the natural part of those heavens, and there are sort of the lowest heavenly angels and the lowest spiritual angels, and those ones all kind of hang out together because they're in the same kind of mindset, or if they haven't moved up. So that's one way to look at it. However, really, that's misleading because there's kind of an inner-outer organization here. So our next diagram, there's the divine in the middle. This heavenly heaven is the closest that we can get to the divine. You're not going to get all the way there. Swedenborg, in another place in his writing, says there are multiple levels in between the highest level that we can get to, and the divine. That we're not, even though we can keep getting better forever, we don't get there. Then there's the spiritual, which is just outside that, and the natural, which is just outside that. However, that's not the natural, like the physical that we're in. That's one ring outside, and we'll get to that later. But also, another way he looks at this is vertically. He, you can also say that natural is the lowest, then spiritual, then heavenly, then God is the highest. In Swedenborg's worldview, highest and inmost are the same thing. And we kind of have that in colloquial speech, you know, our highest ideals are the most inner thing. They, 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 they both mean the best or the deepest or something like that. Okay, so let's look a little more closely. It's, this is Swedenborg's words where he's describing some of these divisions and why the divisions exist and why they create these different kinds of angels. So this is text of his being read with some visuals because it's relatively complex and hopefully pictures and music can drive it home. So this is from his Heaven and Hell, number 31. The divine nature that flows from the Lord and is accepted in the third or central heaven is called heavenly, and the angels there are consequently called heavenly angels. The divine nature that flows from the Lord and is accepted in the second or intermediate heaven is called spiritual, and the angels there are consequently called spiritual angels. The divine nature, though, that flows from the Lord and is accepted in the outmost or first heaven is called natural. However, since the natural of that heaven is not like the natural of our world, but has something spiritual and heavenly within it, that heaven is called spiritual natural or heavenly natural, and the angels there are called spiritual natural or heavenly natural. 
The angels called spiritual natural are the ones who accept an inflow from the intermediate or second heaven, which is the spiritual heaven. While the angels called heavenly natural are the ones who accept an inflow from the central or third heaven, which is the heavenly heaven. Spiritual natural and heavenly natural angels are different from each other, but they constitute one heaven because they are all on the same level. So, as you may or may not be able to see from that, there's these there's these three levels of heaven that he talks about, but it's really all that is based on these two distinctions, heavenly and spiritual. So to get to what what are those and why are they shaping angels, we've got to take that subject head on, which luckily we got a section right here lined up for that. Let's get into the two kingdoms. Okay, we begin this section looking at the two kingdoms of heaven. Swedenborg calls them kingdoms. It doesn't mean there's necessarily, you know, the, the king would be the divine, but it's, it sounds relatively old-fashioned, but think of it like the animal kingdom, right? This is a broadest areas of distinction, but this is not just something about here's how heaven is organized. These two forces that these kingdoms represent, this is the primary underlying stuff of everything. You will not go anywhere in Swedenborg, and if he's right, you will not go anywhere in life, Swedenborg in life, the show's title, without running into these two basic elements. So let's take a look at them, beginning in Heaven and Hell 95. The differentiation of heaven into two kingdoms, one called the heavenly kingdom and the other the spiritual kingdom, has been presented in its proper chapter above. That's why you want to download the book. You can go read that. It's free. It's a free download. The heavenly kingdom in general corresponds to the heart and to all the extensions of the heart throughout the body. The spiritual kingdom corresponds to the lungs and to all their extension throughout the body. Further, the heart and the lungs form two kingdoms in us. The heart governing through the arteries and veins, and the lungs through the nerve and motor fibers, each involved in every effort and action. And this gets into the idea of correspondence, that there is a correspondence, as he says, of the human form, the the body that we all inhabit, and with heaven. And that these these, uh, two basic kingdoms, which are based on the different ways that you receive God, are like the heart and the lungs. And so let's pull up our, we have a graphic of the heart and the lungs. He says that all of heaven, you know, we saw that ring, those rings before, but really you could say if heaven is like a human body, and we did a whole episode of the show on this, we did a short video on this, it's a a theme in Swedenborg's work, the heavenly kingdom of angels is like the heart, the spiritual kingdom is like the lungs, the natural is like the rest of the body. And this is not just like, oh, sort of a crude metaphor that's close. He says down to every detail that fits in. So what the heart does for the body, those heavenly angels do for the rest of heaven and through heaven to the human race, spiritual like the lungs, natural like the rest of the body. So we can get some idea, so what are these, what's the difference between the heart and the lungs when you're talking about those as representations of groups of angels or people? We can get an idea of that from the different kinds of government that exist. That Swedenborg says there is government in the heavens. Wait, 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 don't, don't get up, sit back down. There is government in the heavens, but it's of a specific kind, and we're going to look at it, heaven and hell 2.13. 
since heaven is differentiated into communities, one, one thing Swedenborg says is the, the afterlife, there's a lot more similarity to this life than you might think, that this wasn't just a program that we learn to m- manipulate our way through or, or learn to work in and then just throw everything out. It's better there, but it's, it's an extension of this. Since heaven is differentiated into communities, and the larger communities consist of some hundreds of thousands of angels, and since all the people in a given community are involved in similar good, but not in similar wisdom, it follows of necessity that there are forms of government. Meaning, everybody's got love, but they don't all understand life the same way. So there's got to be some kind of structure to get everyone working together harmoniously. Good order needs to be kept, and all matters of good order seen to. The actual forms of government in heaven vary, though. There is one kind in the communities that constitute the Lord's heavenly kingdom, and another in the communities that constitute the Lord's spiritual kingdom. They even vary depending on the particular function of each community. However, in the heavens there is no government except the government of mutual love. And the government of mutual love is heavenly government. So there's government, but it's, it's good, and it's different whether you're in the heart's heavenly mindset or whether you're in the lungs' spiritual mindset. So let's look first at the heavenly government. What's it like when they have, what kind of structure do these most, inmost angels, the deepest, closest to God, what, what do they need holding them together? This is Heaven and Hell 2.14. says, the form of government in the Lord's heavenly kingdom is called justice. And so here is, is another Swedenborg defining, giving a new definition to a term. Since all the people there are intent on the good the Lord's love does in and through us, and anything that results from this good is called just. So there's a new definition for justice, anything that's coming out of, the, out of divine love. This government belongs to the Lord alone. He leads them and teaches them in matters of life. The truths that we associate with judgment are engraved on their hearts. Everyone knows them, grasps them, and sees them. So matters of judgment never come into dispute for them, only matters of justice that are matters of life. The less wise ask the wiser ones about them, and they in turn ask the Lord and bring back their responses. Their heaven, their deepest delight, is to live justly from the Lord. So there you have like direct communication. This is uh, the things like, is there a God? What's the point of life? How should I act? You know, how do you be loving? That stuff, it's inscribed on the heart. That's what he says, that, that everybody knows, of course, this is, it's in, like things we know here by instinct, how to walk, how to breathe, those kinds of things. That, that there, everybody knows it. And if you don't, if there's a little gap, you know, you ask someone, you know, if you don't know, you ask someone else, and if they don't know, they ask for insight, and they're given it. So it's very much, the, the government is internal, meaning everybody wants to do good, so you don't have to have all these external bonds keeping people from harming each other and doing good, right? So that's heavenly government. Let's look now at spiritual, oh, spiritual history of the human race. Sorry, <laughs> that popped back up. If you want to go look at that show, you can, <laughs> but it's not relevant to this current section. Spiritual government. Now, we find spiritual government again in heaven and hell, 2.15. Uh, and here he says, government in the Lord's spiritual kingdom is called judgment. So here we go do the other side of that coin. Since they are intent on the spirit, that spiritual goodness that is the good of thoughtfulness toward their neighbor. And this good is in essence true. 
What is true is a matter of judgment, and what is good is a matter of justice. These angels, too, are led by the Lord, but indirectly. So they have officials, fewer or more depending on the needs of the community they live in. They also have laws that they observe in their life together. The officials manage everything according to the laws. They understand them because they are wise, and in matters of doubt, they are enlightened by the Lord. So that now, don't don't get it twisted. It's not like just like here. The, the spiritual heaven, as Swedenborg describes, is an amazing. Like you would, this is the coolest place I've ever seen. Everybody's so loving. This is this is way beyond any ideal society I could imagine. So it's cool. However, it's not quite as plugged in as the heavenly mindset. So you have to because it's not immediately apparent how, exactly what to do. You have to formulate structure. There needs to be laws external laws, and there needs to be people enacting these, but this is still a place, pardon me, where everybody is intent on love, right? But you have just, you don't quite stay as constant in it, and you don't have this instinctual knowledge, so there's a little bit of structure there. Now, that so that's sort of a reflection of the difference of mindsets. That spiritual is the pursuit of wisdom and trying to figure out what is true, what is right. Heaven, heavenly is the pursuit of love. Like, we, love has its own wisdom in it. Let's do good. Let's live in love. So those two are, you know, he talks about one being more inward, but you need both the heart and lungs to survive. You know, if you didn't have either, the one that was left wouldn't be able to do anything. So there is an absolute need. And, and the same with the body. We talk about the natural heaven. If you just had the heart and the lungs sitting out. So it's not like some people in heaven are better than other people. It's just a different role fulfillment. So that said, let's take a look a little more at the nature of these spiritual and heavenly mindsets and, and what sort of sets them apart. This is from Swedenborg's book, Apocalypse Explained, number 831. Again, someone reading his words and some pictures, moving pictures to help it go down smoother. Here it is. Because in what goes before we have treated of celestial love, in which are the angels of the third heaven, we will now say something concerning spiritual love, in which are the angels of the second heaven. Spiritual love is the love of truth, and, in the highest sense, the love of the divine truth which proceeds from the Lord. Thus also it is love to the Lord, but in a lower degree, than that in which the celestial angels are. The celestial angels are in love to the Lord from the reception of divine good from Him, whereas the spiritual angels are in love to the Lord from the reception of divine truth from Him. The difference is like that between love in the will and love in the understanding, or like that between a flame and its light. Light with the angels of the third heaven is also derived from something flaming, and the light of the angels in the second heaven from a shining white. Their life differs in a similar manner. The life of the angels of the third heaven consists in affections of good, and the life of the angels in the second heaven in the affections of truth. The difference is such that they are easily known from one another by their faces and also by their speech. And if it's still a little bit murky, which is totally understandable, let's try to take a look at how does this difference in mindsets play out in the way they act in sort of day-to-day angelic life. We'll start in Secrets of Heaven, number 202. So here you see that word celestial angels. <clears throat> That's actually heavenly angels as it could be translated. 
Those of the celestial angels who are more interiorly celestial do not even allow faith to be mentioned or anything whatever which has a spiritual origin. If others mention it, they perceive love instead of faith, with a difference known only to themselves. So you're not going to find a lot of theology there and you know external kind of religious stuff. They just, let's live in love. Thus, anything that is a matter of faith, they derive from love and charity. Like, what, instead of what, what's theologically correct or, or what's, what's love, what would love do right now? Still less do they allow themselves to listen to anything of a rational nature concerning faith, least of all to anything of a factual nature. For they possess from the Lord, by way of love, a perception of what good and truth are. From perception, they know instantly whether something is so or not so. Consequently, when any statement about faith is made, their response is either, that is so, or that is not so. For they are perceiving from the Lord. All the same, celestial angels, like others, discuss various matters among themselves. But they do so in celestial language that is formed by and derived from love, a language that is more indescribable than the language of spiritual angels. So there's more of a gap there. It's, you know, it's harder for Swedenborg even to describe his interaction with those angels than it is with spiritual angels. It is different with spiritual angels in the second heaven. Now we've moved to Secrets of Heaven 7877. The truth of faith leads them to the good of charity. So they get, they're taught what's right, and then that gets them to go eventually see that it's right and do it, whereas heavenly angels feel, oh, this is what's right. Therefore, they do therefore engage in reasoning about whether it is the truth or not, since they have no intuitive perception of whether it is or not. Truths then become knowledge they have acquired and are called matters of doctrine, composing faith. So, that's a little bit on it, and there's a lot more on it, but essentially there are these two primary mindsets. These are the, the, the two heavens, and even the, there's, you know, we said there was three heavens, even the third heaven, the lowest one, has elements of either of these mindsets in it. So both are necessary and both are an an essential part of heaven and how heaven functions. And just like the heart and lungs and the body need to be connected to each other and to the rest of the body, those communities in heaven need to be connected as well. And we're going to take a look at what kinds of angels make those connections in part four. Okay, so now we get into specific groups of angels that make that bridge this gap between the two, the, the the different levels of heaven and the two kingdoms of heaven. Because it's not like heaven is a bunch of little boxes that don't talk to each other. We begin Secrets of Heaven five nine two two. As for what joins the two kingdoms together, the good of charity towards the neighbor does so. So charity towards the neighbor, Swedenborgian phrase that means loving other people. So love for the human race is what joins them together. For with members of the celestial kingdom, love to the Lord is what is internal, and charity towards the neighbor, what is external. But with members of the spiritual kingdom, charity towards the neighbor is what is internal, and faith deriving from it is what is external. From this one may see that what joins the two kingdoms is charity towards the neighbor. For charity is that in which the celestial kingdom ends and the spiritual kingdom begins. What comes last in the one comes first in the other, and is thus where they receive each other. So, there's, there's a connection there 
by life philosophy that hey what what we do out here you guys do in there that that can talk to each other there's also difference is in the mindset uh the truth-based mindset versus the love-based mindset i know we've done a few more but this one is worth noting secrets of heaven 7068 and this is about the need for the two to communicate with each other those motivated by truth are so to speak rigid standing upright as though they are stiff. And when they ought to humble themselves before the divine, they bend their body forwards only slightly. But those motivated by good are, so to speak, flexible. When they humble themselves before the divine, they bow down right to the ground, or right down to the ground. For truth without good is utterly rigid. But when it regards good as the end in view, that rigidity starts to change into flexibility. Good, on the other hand, is in itself flexible. When it has truth introduced into that truth too, when it has the truth introduced into that truth too, because it develops into good there, becomes flexible. The reason why this happens is that truth cannot be set in its proper place in a heavenly form except by good, which means that in itself truth is inflexible. The form of heaven is utterly fluid and not at all resistant. As a consequence, good and truth with it set in its proper place is of a similar nature and is flexible, as has been stated. So that is, that's the Swedenborg experience, just going on and on and on about the nuances of how truth and good interact. Because as we said in the last section, the two kingdoms, these two principles, truth and good, love and wisdom, they underlie everything, and they exist in a micro level inside each thought and feeling that you have inside each individual person's mind, and then on the larger levels within heaven, and finally God is these two elements, love and wisdom. And you see there, he's talking about how truth without good is inflexible and rigid. You can see this, you know, in people. If, there, if there's just an ideology and there's not any love, there's no flexibility. You break the rules, this can't, or you can't be that, you can't do that. When there's love, there's a lot more accommodation when, when the end view is love, so that you need this love added to truth to make it flexible, and that's the form of heaven. And you can see an analog to this in the physical world in the ways that heat, which Swedenborg says heat is the sort of physical equivalent of love, which is a spiritual thing, the way that heat affects metal affects stone, both of which, Swedenborg says, stone and metal represent truth. So when you apply enough heat to these things, you've seen it, right? They, they melt. They lose their rigidity. Molten metal, molten rock no longer are this immovable structure. They can flow and move much like heaven. So we thought we'd do our correspondences segment here, meaning we're going to show you some images of molten stone and molten metal. And just think about that as this is truth with so much love in it that it can flow and, and bend and and accept the form of heaven and work with other members of the human race. So it's like a little fiery and red, but instead of thinking of the scary part of it, think of it as, as love and power. So to see these images of the physical phenomenon, knowing something about the spiritual phenomenon that it's an image of, and, and what comes to you to see how it hits you. So it'll just be a minute. Check it out.
it move you? Feel free to write comments about it. What what comes to you? Swedenborg says that you can see all these truths about spiritual things in the way physical things are. So we observe this stuff, we can unlock sort of insight into how the mechanism works through seeing how the physical mechanism works here. So that was a little tangent. Let's take a look at Secrets of Heaven 3886. We're talking about the connection. Inhabitants of the Lord's celestial kingdom, as we this is what we said before, all belong to the province of the heart. And those of his spiritual kingdom all belong to the province of the lungs. The influx from the celestial kingdom into the spiritual kingdom is similar to the influx of the heart into the lungs. So, what we're saying, it's, I said before, it's not just a crude metaphor, like it's sort of spiritual kingdom of heaven is sort of like the lungs and the heavenly, sort of like the heart, down to every detail. So, like we were just saying with the metal, you can observe the physical side to learn about the spiritual side. So, he says that the connection and the flow from the heart into the lungs physically is like that same flow from the heavenly kingdom of angels into the spiritual kingdom of angels. So let's hear a little bit about how does that connection happen physically. This is Dr. Ed Higgins, who's been on the program before. He's going to describe the physical connection between the heart and lungs and just have it in your mind, thinking about what does that say about the connection between these kinds of angels we've been talking about. So here's Ed. So the, the um, heart-lung connection, it's actually a really interesting thing when you just start from from their very close physical proximity. I mean, they sit right next to each other. The heart, the heart sits right behind a person's sternum, breastbone. The lungs kind of flank it on either side. So they're, they're very close to each other, which I think makes sense because they're really very closely related functionally. Each one needs the other, but they're, they're really only connected by a couple blood vessels. I also think that's a really cool... Thing. like they they need each other so much but they're not massively connected right so we have we have one main pulmonary trunk comes off what we would think of as as deoxygenated blood blood returning to the heart from the system hasn't lost all the oxygen we we use about 22 percent of the oxygen out in our peripheral tissues and organs so that less oxygen rich blood comes back to the heart to the right side goes out through one main pulmonary trunk to the lungs, divides into right and left pulmonary arteries. That blood goes to the lungs where it gets new oxygen and then gets returned to the left side of the heart to get sent out to the body. So it's it's very simple plumbing, but this, this high level connection, neither can work without the other. And then it gets much more complicated with sensors everywhere within a person's system sensing CO2 levels, oxygen levels, and then driving how fast does the heart beat, how fast do we breathe, you know, things along those lines. That's a much more complicated inner reaction, but their actual physical connection is pretty simple. So it all means something. You know, that that connection, the primary connection, the heart dumping blood into the lungs, that, you know, that physical tube going between them, that, that's some kind of output from this heaven of angels into the spiritual. What is that? What kind of love or truth? How does that happen? I don't know exactly, but there's something in there. And I like to think about those sensors he described all over the body, that the body being the, the natural heaven, right? But there's some kind of there's some kind of group of angels, because all the components of the body, as Swedenborg describes, of the heavenly body are people. I mean, we do that. We fit in somewhere. So there's some people whose job somehow is to alert, hey, we're not getting enough love and truth in this part of heaven, you know, or, or wherever, send more. So there's, so you want to know about how spiritual things work, learn science, because the physical is part of this whole system, and it's directly responding to 
the spiritual, or so say Swedenborg. All right, so they both, so we're talking about these two kingdoms as heart and lungs, but they both, they both have hearts. I mean, angels that live in the spiritual kingdom don't just have lungs. They both have heart. Every, every angel, Swedenborg says, is like a fully formed hum, spiritual human being. So this is an interesting tangent. Uh, he wrote, actually, about the difference of the heart. This is something you only get, like, with Swedenborg stuff. The difference of the, the rhythm of heartbeats between spiritual and heavenly angels and how why it matters. So here's, uh, again, him being read, describing these two different hearts. I also had an opportunity once to observe the heartbeats of angels. Those of the heavenly were quiet and gentle, but those of the spiritual were strong and pounding. The pulse rate of the heavenly compared to that of the spiritual was five to two. The pulsing of heavenly hearts acts on that of spiritual hearts and in this way branches out and crosses into the realm of nature. Surprising to say, Spiritual angels cannot hear what heavenly angels say, but perceive it in the form of a heartbeat, because the language of heavenly angels is not intelligible to spiritual angels. Heavenly angels speak in terms of love's emotions, but spiritual angels in terms of the intellect's thoughts, and the former belong to the region of the heart, but the latter to the region of the lungs. So there's like uh, the third heaven... The heavenly heaven is almost like heaven to the spiritual heaven. Like they don't just hear the angels talking, but I can feel there's a there's a third level angel, whatever you'd call him there. I can feel it in my heart. You know, they're they're t- sort of like here we can oh, I can feel there's a presence next to me. So there's that sort of dynamic between those two different levels. And five to two, whatever that means between those. That he said it's there, uh, and I find that fascinating. So. Back to the subject at hand. Let's look at Secrets of Heaven 9670. So, and this is further about the connection and a different representation that the two kingdoms have. These two heavens, the inmost and the middle, are so distinct and separate, there can be no entering from one into the other. It's sort of like the heart and lungs have, you know, there, there's all these... Uh, there's all these barriers, you know, there's, there's sort of membranes around them, keeping them from each other. Yet they constitute one heaven through intermediary angelic communities, whose dis- disposition is such they are able to be next door to the good of both heavens. So there are some angels who sort of have a foot in both worlds, and through that can get everyone to talk to each other. These communities are the ones which constitute the uniting intermediary that was represented by the veil. He's talking about something previously that he mentioned. I have been allowed to speak on several occasions to angels from those communities. What the angels of the inmost heaven are like and what the angels of the middle heaven in comparison are like can be demonstrated from correspondence. Yeah, we've been talking about this the whole show. The angels of the inmost heaven correspond to those powers with a person which belong to the provinces of the heart and the cerebellum. So we're getting into brain representation. Whereas the angels of the middle heaven correspond to those powers of a person which belongs to the province of the lungs and the cerebrum. Further, the powers belonging to the heart and cerebellum are called involuntary and spontaneous because that is what they are seen as being, but those belonging to the lungs and cerebrum are called voluntary. This, to some extent, this demonstrates how superior the perfection of one heaven is to that of the other and how they differ from each other. But as for the intermediate angels next door to both heavens and linking them together, it is the networks extending from the heart and lungs which serve to interconnect the heart and lungs that correspond to them, and also the medulla oblongata, 
where the fibers of the cerebellum are joined to the fibers of the cerebrum. Swedenborg, before, right before he became uh, what you, a seer or like a guy who would see spirits and write about it, he was an anatomist, one of the, be- the leading anatomists in the world. So he knew all about how the brain and the structures are together, and this, and this, this structure of the brain factors heavily in. So we're talking about the human body corresponding to heaven. You have these two brains... You know, two two you know two divisions of the brain that come together in this in the medulla, uh, and that physical connection is a, a representation of these angelic communities that connect the two heavens. So, in case you're not familiar with how that connection is physically, here's Ed Higgins describing the connection of these two parts of the brain. So this this is a more complicated connection. We we sense everything. In, in basic terms at a cerebral level. So, so all the incoming information from the spinal cord, it, it has to work its way up to the cerebrum. And then it all goes back out again, back out down through the spinal cord to make us act. I, I, sense, I sense something's heavy, so I want to use more muscles to then lift it. I have fibers going northbound, going up to the cerebrum and then coming back down. That, that all passes through medulla. So the spinal cord comes up, it, it first enters into the person's skull, that's the brainstem there, that, that very first part, that's the medulla. So everything going up passes through there, everything going down passes through there, and then that's where we make lots of these really critical connections, a lot of them connecting cerebellum, which is more, in, in basic terms, people think about that as kind of coordination control center. So if, if I want to lift a heavy object, I don't want to throw it through the ceiling. I want to have very controlled, measured movement at a simple level. That's the cerebellum communicating with the cerebrum and all those fibers pass through and make lots of critical connections at that medullary level, medulla oblongata. So those connections, some, there's that same, le- same level of complexity, but more happening with these communities that connect the two. And one way is through this, this class of kind of teachers. He describes them in Apocalypse Explained 831. Uh, so this is a, a group of angels that kind of connects the two. Because spiritual love is the love of truth, and the spiritual angels as to their life are affections of truth, therefore they converse about the holy things of heaven and the church differently from the angels of the third heaven, who cannot converse about these things according to what was said above. Right, so we've said that before, but because the celestial angels are perfected in wisdom by hearing, therefore there are intermediate angels called celestial spiritual angels who preach and teach truths in their temples. These are called houses of God and, if you're wondering, are of wood. So you sort of think, oh, the, the celestial angels are so much better because they're like heart angels, but they, they need to be taught, and the, the spiritual angels, the lungs angels, are so intellectually oriented that they, they actually are better at teaching. So they go, and the, the celestial angels like to hear things, you know, so they, they go teach them, and so there is there's a symbiosis just like the heart and the lungs, just like good and truth. They need each other. That's just how it is, all right? So... We talked about that, how they're all connected. Now let's take a look at how they're all, all these levels are connected and communicate with us here in the world. Part five. So there is 
a what Swedenborg calls correspondence between the heavens. There are all these distinctions, like the parts in a body, as they have to be distinct. Like if you had just one big mush in the body, nothing could get done. It's because there's this organization that everything works. Uh, but there's certainly communication. Swedenborg describes it in Heaven and Hell 100. There is a correspondence of the heavens with each other. The second or intermediate heaven is responsive to the third or central one. The first or outmost heaven is responsive to the second or intermediate one. And this is responsive to the physical forms in us, the forms that are referred to as our members, organs, and viscera. So the physical forms in us. So it is our bodily nature in which heaven finally comes to rest, on which it stands like a foundation. We're participating in this machine right now. We may not even be aware of it, but just like I said, the the third heaven is like heaven to the second heaven. The second heaven is like heaven to the first heaven. And the first heaven is like heaven to us. It's that same kind of thing, right? So here's a diagram that we have, again, to make it all make sense. So there's this emanation from the vine shoots out heavenly, spiritual, natural, but it ends here in the physical. We are sort of the, the feet of heaven, that we are the foundation here. So even the way we live our life can help make that good machine stronger. And they can still interact. You think about, you think about adults and children, uh, how there's, there's a separation there in the way that their minds think, but they can still interact on certain topics. Same, in the same way, the different levels of heaven can interact or heaven can interact with us. You know, there's, there is, there is a way. And just like, just like here, we can kind of get a glimpse of an angel or they can say something to you, uh, you know, similarly, the levels higher up can do that to each other. However, there also is direct interaction. As I'm sure people have experienced, you get stories all the time of, I saw an angel, they talked to me, it was a long conversation. Swedenborg, too, saw angels from all different groups interacting directly with each other. So don't get the sense that it only happens in strange ways. Here's a couple examples, just quickly, of things that he observed uh, with direct communication. The first one, uh, angels, he saw, oh, he saw angels helping newcomers. So people from way up in heaven coming down, helping people who are just coming into the spiritual world, moving them along. And then also he saw um, angels and spirits. Remember, he, he made that distinction before the angels are, you've moved into heaven, spirits, you're still in the spiritual world, or you're at a lower level. But he saw them walking and talking together, having conversations. So it can happen. It just doesn't happen all the time with all of heaven. And then finally, he, Swedenborg, along with, when, when Swedenborg was touring the, when he was his Mars rover touring the, the spiritual galaxy, he would have angel guides with him, and they would go, all of them together, visit these other communities in heaven or in hell, and he would, um, they would all talk to the inhabitants there. So there can be that kind of travel, but you just, maybe you got to be, uh, have the right, not training, but the right mindset for that. And, and maybe that's who you are, and maybe when you get to heaven... You'll be one of those connectors. Okay, so that's just to reassure you that everybody can talk to everybody. There's not this wall that you can never get across, but there are these cool different ways uh, of having things separate yet connected at the same time. Uh, As an example of this, Swedenborg describes vividly a meeting of two angels from different parts of heaven who are actually f- had been friends here in this world. And, and you know, they're off in heaven doing their thing, but when, when they want to, they can see each other, and they're super pumped about it. So here, this is from his book, True Christianity 386. One morning after I woke up, I saw two angels coming down from heaven. One was coming from the southern part of heaven and the other from the eastern part. They were both in carriages drawn by white horses. 
The carriage that was carrying the angel from the southern part of heaven was shining like silver. The carriage that was carrying the angel from the eastern part of heaven was shining like gold. The reins the angels were holding in their hands were flashing with a fiery light like the rising sun. That is how the two angels looked from far away. When they came closer, however, they no longer looked as though they were in carriages. They were simply in their own angelic form, which is human. The one who came from the eastern part of heaven was wearing shining clothes that were deep red. The one who came from the southern part of heaven was wearing clothes that were sky blue. When they reached the lower regions below the heavens, they ran toward one another as if each were trying to be the first to reach the other. They hugged and kissed each other. I heard that when these two angels lived in the world, they formed a bond of deep friendship. Yet now one was in the eastern part of heaven and the other was in the southern part. The eastern heaven holds angels who focus on love from the Lord. The southern heaven holds angels who focus on wisdom from the Lord. After the angels spent a while talking about the magnificent things in their heavens, a question came up in their conversation about whether the essence of heaven is love or wisdom. They agreed right away that each one relates to the other, but they were discussing which one was the origin of the other. So you can get together, you can hang out, you can have a conversation about what's the nature of heaven. You can tell your buddy, oh, there's this cool stuff over here. So it's going to be all right. Even if you're, you, you work in different areas, you can still be buddies. To close this section out, I want to talk about archangels because there, this is like one of the few types of angels that people have heard about. And Swedenborg has a specific take on that whole issue. In this Apocalypse, Apocalypse Explained 735, uh, in regards to Michael in particular, so that's an archangel, very famous, mentioned in the Bible. In regards to Michael in particular, it is believed from the sense of the letter, he's talking about of the Bible, that he is one of the archangels. But there is no archangel in the heavens. There are indeed higher and lower angels, also wise, wiser and less wise, and in the societies of angels there are governors who are set over the rest. Yet there are no archangels who keep others in obedience by the exercise of arbitrary authority. Such government has no place in the heavens, for there no one acknowledges in heart that anyone is above himself but the Lord alone. But those angels that are mentioned in the word as Michael and Raphael mean administrations and functions. So he's saying that with archangels, as are depicted in lots of kinds of art all over, it's not like there are specific angels who are just way bigger and badder and pow more powerful and tell everyone what to do. But he says that there are functions. And he goes on to describe this in other areas that, for instance, Michael, the archangel Michael is, is a term that means, uh, it, there's a couple of different meanings for it, but essentially you're protecting something good or protecting something true. So any angel who starts to protect is Michael in that. You know, uh, so and that so it is with all these archangels that they're more they're more functions or, or uh, working divisions, and we can get into that more later. But he's so he so you can can take stints as being part of these, or there are some angels who that's constantly what they're doing, so they're referred to as that. But it's 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 a definition of a function rather than as an individual. You know what I'm saying? All right, and then finally, uh, angels there there's travel between all these realms, including below it all. 
to these hells that we saw in the beginning. Angels want to go to hell because they want to help anybody there who they possibly can have as happy a life as possible. He describes it in Secrets of Heaven 6370. Love to the Lord and love toward the neighbor holds such safety when a person is among all kinds of evil, even when in the midst of the hells, for the reason that people governed by that love are those who are joined most closely to the Lord. And they abide in the Lord because they abide in what is divine going forth from him. This, that is why no evil can touch them. It should be recognized that the countless hells are distinct and separate from one another. In keeping with the genre of all the evils and derivative falsities that exist, and with the species making up those genre and with the individual members making up those species. Also, in each hell, order exists, and that order is preserved both directly by the Lord and indirectly through celestial or heavenly angels. Sometimes angels are also sent into the hells to restore, to order things which have gotten out of order. While they are there, they are quite safe. That is what is meant when it is said that one with whom what is celestial exists is safe, when among all those in the hells. So, like in the beginning, you got to keep this order. We saw with that little globe that was right here, there's got to be this order and this balance that's maintained by angels, and angels can go into hell and not be worried about being attacked because they're in this love, that love keeps you safe from hell. And that's actually the way that we get to the peace of heaven where we're not attacked by negative thoughts and feelings is by getting more and more into love because that pushes it away, all right? So we're going to go to our next section we had those two angels meeting in that video he said from the you know these different directions in heaven we're going to talk a little bit about those directions as we close Poetry. That title is the most beautiful title. Four quarters and a disclaimer. And it's all true. It's all as advertised. So to begin, Heaven and Hell 148, he says, uh, he talks a little bit about this phenomenon of these different quarters. And we touched on it in another show, but you, but everything is interconnected in Swedenborg. you got to know all these things so we keep going back to the same topics, but in a new way and connect them with new ones. All the people in the heavens live in different areas according to the cardinal directions. People who are sensitive to the good that love does live along the east-west axis. The ones who have a clear perception of this toward the east, and the ones who have a vague perception of it toward the west. People who are sensitive to the issues of wisdom that result from that good live along the south-north axis. The ones in a clear light of wisdom toward the south, and the ones in a dim light of wisdom toward the north. The dwelling arrangement for angels in the Lord's spiritual kingdom is like that of the ones in his heavenly kingdom, with a difference that depends on the good that love does and the light of truth that comes from the good. This is because the love in the heavenly kingdom is a love for the Lord, and the light of truth from that love is wisdom. On the other hand, the love in the spiritual kingdom is the love for our neighbor that is called thoughtfulness, and the light of truth that comes from its intelligence, also called faith. So we've heard some of those sorts of things before, but He's talking about directions, and it's not as simple here as that's north. You turn around, your back is to north. The directions there are based on mindset, and they're, whichever way you turn, you're still turning in relation to those. So it's, it's not simple like physical things. And as, you can, as he describes there, as you can see in our little thumbnail here, what you believe and how you think affects where you are geographically. So, you know, if you're going, you know, towards the west you're moving out of love, going towards the east, moving into it. North, 
you're getting into less wisdom. You know, as in our planet, there's less light the further you go north. Uh, and then you go south, you get more wisdom. So that, you know, you fall on that chart depending on how much of these two elements that from the Lord you're letting in. So this, again, just these are just other distinctions between the different types of angels. It all has to do with how this inflow happens. And this, this uh, organization is not just in heaven as a whole, it happens within each community. In Heaven and Hell 149, uh, he says, There is a similar dwelling arrangement for the angels in each particular community of heaven. The ones who are engaged in a greater degree of love and thoughtfulness are toward the east. The ones in less toward the west, the ones who are in great, greater light of wisdom toward the south, and the ones in less toward the north. The reason for this arrangement is that each community is a reflection of heaven and is a heaven in lesser form as well. The same thing happens in meetings. So like if they all sit down at a table, there's this principle that organizes them there. They are brought into this arrangement by the form of heaven, which enables every individual to know his or her place. Like, oh yeah, I should sit over here. But it's not hierarchy. You know, there's not like, oh, you're better or worse. Nobody there cares. Uh, It is also provided by the Lord that there shall be all kinds of people in each community because heaven has a consistent form throughout. Like I was saying, it's not hierarchy. It's like, here we can think, oh, I don't want anybody to be considered more wise or more loving than me. But when you walk into a hospital... You really want the smartest doctor and the best doctor to be working on you, right? That's the mindset in heaven is not who's better at what, it's what can we do? How can we all do this together? So if somebody's currently, you know, growing wiser and more loving, great. Will you be there? Will you lead us? You know, it's like a sports team. You you want your star player to move you forward because you're glad that will help the team win. And, you know, everybody does Everybody does things in their own way that's irreplaceable. So there's not a hierarchy, even though it can sometimes sound like it from the way the language is. To end, just briefly, forget everything that we said on this program, because we're telling you about how everything is structured and ordered, but Swedenborg describes here, who knows if it's still like that. This is Secrets of Heaven 5798. The situation in the next life is as follows. Because of the newcomers there, the Lord is constantly reordering heaven and its communities, imparting bliss and happiness to them. What we've described today is what heaven was like when Swedenborg was writing a couple hundred years ago. It may be similar. There may be a lot of differences. So here was a history lesson, but there's, there's some principles that don't change. Just like a couple hundred years ago, there was still, light still had the same properties. There was still the electromagnetic spectrum. That stuff doesn't change, but it could be some arrangements have by now. And that also means we can change. Our final quote for the night, Heaven and Hell 33, as we said in the beginning, the extra credit assignment, heaven is inside of us. All this stuff these same principles can apply to our thoughts and feelings. It needs to be quite clear that it is the inner nature of angels that determines which heaven they are in. The more deeper levels have been opened, the more inward the heaven they are in. There are three inner levels of every angel and spirit, and of every person here as well. The people whose third level has been opened are in the central heaven, while the people whose second or first only has been opened are in the intermediate or outmost heaven. The deeper levels are opened by our acceptance of divine good and divine true gifts. People who are actually affected by divine true true gifts and let them directly into their lives, into their intentions, and therefore into act, are in the central or third heaven. So it's just, you're opening up divine true gifts, that means love and learning. The more you go about that, especially love, the more you can be moving up, getting your spirit into this whole system that we've been talking about, all right? So that's that. Hopefully that was an interesting trip 
cataloging the spirits of heaven. If you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe. This channel benefits greatly from both. So just, man, just a couple of clicks would help us out a lot. And if you're feeling like you can, uh, you can make a donation. You notice there are no commercials throughout this. YouTube has a lot of commercials. We don't run those because we don't want to disrupt the message with whatever flavor that commercial is going to be that, that may totally contradict what we're saying here. So we're a nonprofit. We run on doma- donations. Either click this or there's a little button here or on the front page. Consider making a tax deductible donation that will be matched by a grant five to one. It will go a long way. So consider supporting if you like this programming and want to help it spread. All right. I said we're going to take live questions and comments and we're going to right on the other side of this quick break. here already it's time to hear what does the human race think of these concepts okay we're going to take a look at our first question now this one is from lee jesus says the kingdom of heaven is within us where does swedenborg say it is uh swedenborg would say ditto uh and you can see it some of this in the presentation you know that what we just had there of you know at the very end this is not only is it within us as in our spirits are, can be in a community of heaven, but also that our, our internal structure is the same as heaven. And for what it's worth, I mean, you know, you read Swedenborg, uh, Jesus Christ, Swedenborg says, is, is God in human form. So he doesn't take lightly anything that, that Jesus says. We've had a couple of shows about, he has a different take on it than a lot of um, traditional Christianity in certain ways, so worth checking out our episodes about that for that. So thanks very much for that one. Uh, next question. This is Juan. Uh, will there ever be a war between angels and demons on earth? Uh, there, you know, there's a war between angels and demons on earth every day. I mean, according to Swedenborg, the, you know, the, the thoughts and feelings that drive all of us are coming from heaven and hell, and they're clashing within us. Whenever you watch the news and you see somebody's done something terrible, that's hell winning some kind of little battle, although it's more complicated because in the end, the divine design pulls everything towards good, so hell doesn't win like it thinks it can. Whenever you see people around you doing good, that's heaven winning. Uh, So that's how it's manifested. As far as like, you know, we would all see them, they'd be here and set up. I don't think so, based on the way Swedenborg describes it. They're, They're spiritual, we're physical, but through us, there is this battle raging all the time. Um, So... That's what I would say based on Swedenborg. Thanks for the question. Let's take a look at the next one. Robin, if things are balanced, does that mean that there are as many people in hell as in heaven? I thought that God did not want anyone to perish. That is a good question. And I think, no, it doesn't mean, the balance does not depend on, okay, well, we've got, we now we have 495 billion people in heaven, so we got to send X many people to hell. As you saw in the beginning there when we talked about that globe, and he talked about how it was kept in balance, there was all these methods. It was about rearranging communities. It was about how much of one was covered up. Um, it was about 
how they how they moved in relation to each other. It was about pulling particular members out. There's a lot of ways to maintain that balance. It's not just a one-to-one ratio. It, Swedenborg does say God does not want anybody to go to hell. The, the divine design, the divine plan is to try to pull everyone into heaven. This balance thing is a result of, wow, there's a lot of people choosing hell. We got to make it so this still works for human minds. But no, I the system would have to run so that if today... No, everybody said, I don't want hell anymore, which means I don't want the love of harming others, of dominating, of cheating to get my way. If everybody suddenly rejected that everyone's in heaven, the system would still work. You'd still be able to have good, you could have all the people involved in good and nobody involved in evil, but they could still, the evil itself and the good could balance, or something like that. He doesn't go into that, but yes, the sentiment that you have there is right. It's not set up so that there has to be an underclass in order for heaven to be happy. So hopefully that makes sense. Great question. Appreciate it. I always like questions that are coming from a like a moral standpoint. Like, wait, is that fair? Is that good? Because those are the right questions to ask. So thank you. Next one. Jim, is it true that hellish spirits can't come and live in the heavenly or spiritual realms? I don't want to get to heaven and Charlie Manson as my neighbor. Yeah, so there are a couple, you can't, if you, you know, we, I don't know, you, you know, even somebody like Charlie Manson, we don't, nobody knows what's going on in someone's heart and mind. It could be that he was overcome by a bunch of demons and did what he did, and he didn't want to. I'm not saying he did. I There's a chance he was, but we never know. Swedenborg says spiritual judgment. So we, I have no idea. However, people who have m- murder in their hearts can't breathe in heaven. They can't even get close to it without feeling like they can't breathe and, and feeling torment because the evil... If you allow evil to live inside you and you make that your life, when you start to get near mutual love, it's like different, it's like these, you know, there's certain chemicals that if you, you have, I don't, I forget what they are, magnesium or something, you have some, throw a little water in it and it sparks or explodes, there's this huge reaction. That's the way it is when, when an evil as terrible as, as the kind of murderous rage people have comes into contact with mutual love and evil gets pushed way back, they don't want to be it. So, you know, anybody, even anyone who's done anything in this world can repent, can say, wow, I'm I'm sorry, I'd never want to do this again, and, and genuinely try to push it away. Nobody is ever too far gone as long as they're living here, um, but you'll never get up into heaven unless you've completely pushed that stuff away. So you don't need to worry about the security of your neighborhood when you get there. All right, let's take a look at another one. Lorene, why do preachers say if you don't accept Jesus, you will go to hell? Is that true? Um According to Swedenborg, no, that's not true. Uh, but then again, it depends on what you mean by accept Jesus. Um, there's sort of this Christian doctrine that you have to say the name of Jesus, or I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, and that's it. You know, Swedenborg says, you know, we talked about the the uh, mind and the heart, the will and the understanding. The will is what matters. Your feel, What do you love? If you love good... If you're somebody who's never heard of Jesus Christ, but you love your fellow human beings, uh, that is that will pull you to heaven. You may learn new things while you're there about God and God in human form, but you don't have to say those words to get to heaven. That was something Swedenborg was saying back in the day, and the Christian church wasn't too happy about it. However, you know, there's another way you can look at it, that if Jesus is divi- the divine in human form, which divine love and wisdom, if you don't accept love and wisdom then you're not going to be able to breathe it in heaven. That's not going to suit you. So in that way, you got to accept Jesus. But 
not in the way of you have to have certain religious principles uh, to get to heaven. Swedenborg spent a lot of time saying that's that's absolutely not true. Uh, that's not what a God of love would do. So that's his take on that. Let's let's do another one. We got a little bit more time. Sherry, um, does Swedenborg agree with Edgar Case? about the chakras being the seven seals of revelation. Man, um, there are not overt references to chakras in Swedenborg. I don't think that that wasn't an idea around him at the time. He does talk about vortexes and the swirling of vortexes that, that seem to indicate the same kind of thing, but he doesn't. it doesn't show up a lot in his work. So I, I don't... You won't find anything specifically about... The symbolism of revelation in relation to the concept of chakras or energy centers in the human body. He says a lot about what revelation, the book of revelation stands for. The book, if you ever see Apocalypse Explained pop up here when we're doing the show, or Apocalypse Revealed or Revelation Unveiled, those are all about those are all about the book of Revelation. So he has commentary on the seven seals, but but not the same there as Edgar Case or Edgar Casey. Good question, though. Thank you very much. Okay, let's get to two more. Grace, so who gives the angels of these different kingdoms their job? Also, do angels know straight away how to communicate with other angels, or do they have to learn? So, God is, we saw a little bit about government there, that in the celestial heaven, the highest heaven, you have a perception in the heart of what God is saying and and what the truth is. So, I would imagine that there, you just feel it. You know, you, you can tell this is what I want to do. Whereas it could be in the spiritual heaven, as Swedenborg describes it, maybe you have to try things. Maybe you have to be taught and you discover it by trial and error. There he says in that heaven, they reason about whether something's true. They try to figure out the truth. So it may be there that you're doing things and finally there's a lot, you can still get insight and like, oh, I know that I am where I need to be. And you, there, there's probably a lot of direct revelation too of, okay, you go here, but there, it's a little less immediate there. As far as communication, Swedenborg says that everybody in the afterlife speaks this universal spiritual language, and we all come into it through instinct because it's the verbalization of ideas and feelings, that this is the direct information, so everybody knows that. You don't have to learn it. You can come into contact with it right away. So that's that. Let's do one more. Uh, Okay, we'll do two more, Uh, and then we'll be done. This is Lisa. What does Swedenborg mean the last judgment happened in 1757. Good question, and I want to do a show about that, but I'll give you the brief. Uh, Swedenborg says the last judgment already happened. You see, lately there's like uh, there was Harold camping, and you know, the last judgment's coming. Family Radio in the U.S. said last judgment's coming. Oh, it didn't happen. Swedenborg says the last judgment already happened in 1757 while he was writing this stuff, and it was a judgment in the spiritual world. And that was a restructuring of heaven and hell. Part of what you see in the way heaven and hell are organized now was a basis of that. And it was because the negative side had gotten so bad that everybody was in trouble. All the people on earth were in trouble, even in heaven. And so this judgment, Swedenborg uses that term judgment to basically mean moving. This was kicking the everybody who had kind of, everybody who was evil, who was kind of going after heaven, was moved out. And there was this restructuring. So that's the basics. And it's called the last judgment. There's actually, it's, it's fascinating, but that after the fall of every church, there's a last judgment. And Swedenborg was saying that the Christian church in his day was fallen because it had come into this faith without love, and so there was this judgment. So that, that's a little bit of it. We're going to do a whole show about it sometime. 
I promise. Okay, last one. This is it. Carrie, in the earthly realm, we live, grow, and change, and graduate to different levels in our lives. In heaven, do we are, are we capable of growing? And when we are reincarnated, is that to grow in heaven also? So certainly, you continue to grow. Swedenborg says that the angels are perfected in wisdom to eternity. And he also says in another uh, spot that every stage you go through in heaven is just like an egg to the one beyond it. You know, there's, there's so much more that you move into. You continue to progress to eternity, and you don't run out of stuff, because God is infinite. Um, so, he doesn't say that you reincarnate as back onto this planet. He was, he's at, at, at odds with others on that. He says you do continue this evolution and changing and growing, but you do it in that you don't come back to a physical body. You can, your spirit continues to grow. Sort of like you're in the womb here. You don't go out. Of, you, you never come back into the womb. You go out and your body keeps growing and changing in the world. Um, however, as I mentioned before, there, there are some crossover with the reincarnation phenomenon, like, uh, you know, the people who are remembering past lives is your actual connection to the spirits that you're in community with. Also, there's, you know, there are issues worked on across generations that are passed from one to the other. Overall, there's a few things. We would like to do a whole episode about that, too. That's a great way to cop out a question and just say, hey, we want to do a whole episode about it. So we want to do a whole episode about all your questions. Thanks for getting them in. Really appreciate it. Next week, we are, as we advertise in this show, going to talk about the world of spirits, which is the first place you go after you die, according to Swedenborg. So if that sounds intriguing at all, join us. Same time, same channel. See you then. Thanks.